On episode 7 of the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast, after two very lackluster Raw and SmackDown episodes, we had a bomb dropped on us. John Moxley is back. His video on social media has almost 2 million views, and everybody is talking about what Dean Ambrose is going to do next. That is episode 7 of the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast presented by thesportsitter.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast. We've got Brandon on the other line with us, as always. Brandon, how you doing? Doing great, Jim. What's going on? Oh, not much. Uh, thank you for uh, helping me out last week when we were uh, recording the show. I was riding the bike, and a lot of uh, winded air came from my end, so you covered a lot of the uh, the ground last week, so I appreciate you doing that. This week, man, we got all sorts of stuff. I didn't think we were going to have a whole lot to talk about until about midnight last night when... Dean Ambrose, or excuse me, John Moxley dropped a bomb on the wrestling world. Did you see the promo about uh, the John Moxley return? Yeah, I saw it uh, like as it dropped, and I was like, "Oh, what's this?" John Moxley uh, tweeted something, and then uh, lo and behold, you have this whole like promo video, uh, very well made too. I, I, I should add. Yeah, I was going to ask you first. What did you think of the production quality? That that video was pretty good. Yeah, I don't think he's the one that like shot and edited it by himself. I'm pretty sure he has someone some kind of team or some person that's good with that uh, who helped him out with it. There's no way it was done by himself. Well, that seems to be the conversation today. I mean, that video got, I, I saw it happen. I saw it come out the first, like, I don't know what it was, like 12 minutes or something after it posted. I was like, what is this? And then, cause he is like, he had no, he had tons of followers, but no tweets. Like he didn't follow anybody. He had no updates on that account forever. And then he drops mm-hmm. one video and it's like, Within an hour, it's been retweeted like 2,000 times and then like 15,000 times by the time five to 10 hours rolls. I mean, and then now it's almost like 1.5 to close to 2 million views. I mean, the thing just went crazy. Everybody watched it. Everybody retweeted it. uh, And now today, less than 24 hours later, there's all sorts of people, wrestlers, media who have responded to watching that video. I mean, it's, it's nuts. It's probably bigger than anything he ever did as a member of WWE, hey? Yeah, I would say so, because he was always, like, the third wheel of the Shield. I thought he was really good early on when, um, do you remember when he had, like, the uh, the U.S. title, and then Reigns and Ambrose were kind of, like, you know, the big dogs? Um, no pun intended. But yeah. he was always, like, the mouthpiece, sort of, which is kind of interesting, because he is good on the mic, but then he really just fell between the cracks where he didn't really do much promo work. Like, you know, he had the same kind of gimmick where it was just the lunatic guy over and over again, but... Uh, when you saw him in both post-show uh, segments that he had, when he was there in his final match after that he came out, and then uh, in Montreal when I was there when he came out, he spoke very well in a different character. So he proved that he's very good at uh, at character work and, and at things that aren't what WWE pushed for him. And this is just another one of those things where it's showing, hey, this guy's more than what he was, that he was what he was typecast to in WWE. 
Well, let's let's dissect the video a little bit and talk about what all this controversy is about because everybody's got a conspiracy theory. I mean, there was enough going around today that I was able to write an article about all the different conspiracy theories coming out of this video. <laughs> it's kind of like the Bray Wyatt stuff. Like, there's so many hidden Easter eggs potentially in this video. Yeah. Um, that it's that's probably one of the reasons it's creating so much buzz. Um, I mean, the video itself opens up. He's inside a cell which we some people have assumed is either the you know the Ambrose Asylum or a prison representing WWE or what have you and he's pacing around inside the cell and eventually he breaks through the wall um to escape and run through the prison yard towards the barbed wire fence. So first things first, I mean the fact that he's inside the jail. Do you think this is symbolism towards his stint in WWE saying, "Hey, you kept me in a, bris- a prison for however many long and I'm breaking out of this prison now that I'm gone." Sure, I think you could look at it that way. I think you could look at it as even if it is the Ambrose Asylum, he's trying to break out of the Ambrose Asylum more than anything, right? I don't think he's calling WWE a prison. I think he's calling that gimmick a prison. And he's saying, hey, I can, I need to get out of that gimmick and do more. Right. And I, I'm of that, too. I think people are going to read into this. That there's a, a thing called, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, there's a theory, anyway, when what you, what you want to find, you'll find if you look hard enough, right? So even right. if it isn't there... Uh, your confirmation bias is the word I'm looking for. So yes. basically what that means is as you're trying to find something in whatever you're watching or reading, if you're looking for it hard enough, even if it isn't there, you're going to find it because you want to find it, right? So people are looking at this thing and going, oh, that's the WWE prison. And you're right. It could just be an Ambrose Asylum. It could just be a jail. And it could just be one of those things where it was a really cool look and a really cool physical way to start the video by, hey, hats have Ambrose break out of a prison, right? Like you never right. really know what they're thinking when they make this, but it's pretty easy to connect the dots. So then he goes over to the barbed wire fence and he gets stuck in the barbed wire or purposely gets stuck in the barbed wire, however you want to look at it. I mean, the idea now that he's going back, if people don't know John Moxley, John Moxley was a wrestler prior to Dean, Dean Ambrose, who was really famous for really being quite hardcore. He did a, a lot of matches. lunatic in a lot of literal ways. Yeah, like he did some crazy stuff, whether it's the, you know, the light bulb matches or the barbed wire matches or just even shooting videos with him and his friends just doing different stuff, like really weird kind of character videos or reenacting movie scenes or all sorts of crazy stuff, right? So now he's in this barbed wire kind of representing the fact that he's going back to the Moxley that everybody knew, which is crazy, lunatic, nutty, barbed wire, whatever else. What do you think about that? Like, that's got to be pretty exciting for fans who like the old Moxley. I bet you there's a lot of people right now saying, oh, I remember John Moxley, who don't even know really John Moxley, but they know Ambrose. The idea that he's going back to his roots, I mean, that's kind of cool, hey? Yeah, well, his matches were gruesome, like, too gruesome for me to watch sometimes because they were really, just like you said, like, it's it's a match still, and you're not actually trying to hurt the guy, but you're getting hurt in matches like that. And I know that Ambrose has also said, I mean, Moxley, we should say, has said himself, he's had, like, a long history of, like, very, very aggressive drug use. So now it's interesting to see, uh, now that he's older, now that he's married, now that he's, you know, I'm not saying sober, but at least he's not on those kind of heavy drugs. I don't know if he drinks or whatever, but that's neither here nor there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how much he goes back into that crazy lifestyle. If he's even going to go back to that kind of match, or if he's going to let his name kind of speak for itself, right? He doesn't yeah. need to do the crazy, like, white bulb matches, but... I mean, who's doing those anymore? You know what I mean? Like, to yeah. be realistic, nobody's doing them. Like, WWE doesn't do them. AEW doesn't do them. New Japan doesn't really do them. I mean, they may be more than anybody else. Ring of Honor doesn't really do them. Um, the independents might do them, and some of the really small... Like, but CZW can we really, and stuff? Like, yeah, do we really think that he's going back to work in... I mean, yeah, he maybe doesn't care, and maybe he's not about the big crowds and the big money 
At least that's what it, the impression seems to be. But it, are we really to believe he's going back to wrestling in front of 25 people no. in a light bulb match with barbed wire ropes? Like, I, I don't see it. You know, it doesn't really make sense to me. So this might just be more symbolism saying, hey, I'm I'm no longer the PG Ambrose. Now I'm the Moxley people sort of remember, and that's what I want to be known for. So, you know, if you're going to look at me now, look at me this way. Doesn't necessarily yeah. mean he's going to go do a bunch of barbed wire matches. I agree with that, yeah. Uh, so then they've got the dog, the big hound, chasing them through the yard. Uh, does the dog represent Roman Reigns or the Hounds <laughs> of Justice or what have you? I mean, that's what everybody wants to think, right? Um, cool image, you know, the idea there that you know the Hounds of Justice. There's two ways you can look at it, I suppose. Is he being chased by Roman Reigns or will he be joined by Roman Reigns? You know, eventually down the road, as is Ambrose, should he leave WWE? Is he the only one leaving? You know, is he, I asked on Twitter the other day, yesterday, is he the Scott Hall of WCW? You know where Scott Hall went to WCW, Kevin Nash followed, everybody else, boom, 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 dominoes, dominoes. Is Ambrose the first guy to make the move? Are other people coming? I mean, those are the questions that you sort of have to ask when you see that video. What did you think when you saw the dog? Did you even notice the dog? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it, including the the penitentiary and including the barbed wire and everything, I think he knows what he was doing with it, uh, specifically not tweeting anything, not doing any kind of, you know, speaking beforehand. It's an empty Twitter account minus that video. I think he knows what he's doing with the symbols. And like you said, people are reading into it. And I think that was the intention. I don't know what his actual intention was. I think it was just kind of just spark a conversation more than anything. But yeah, the dog was obviously, I mean, you have to look at it and immediately think Roman Reigns. You have to. A big right. dog, right? <laughs> yeah. What, what, how much more on the nose do you want it? Yeah, and the hound, of course. And so the big you know, reveal at the end of the video is the fact he looks like Ambrose, he walks like Ambrose, he's hasn't shaved, he's got the shaved head, all that stuff, but the Mox, M-O-X, right? So he's yeah. back to the original name. He's changed his Twitter account to John Moxley. Like you said, he hasn't said a single thing on that Twitter account since he put it up, just the video, and it keeps getting retweeted and it keeps getting watched and probably multiple times by the same people over and over again trying to pull more out of it. I have a question, though. All these people that are making this conspiracy theory that this is, you know, him going to AEW. Like, let's look at it. Cody Rhodes liked the video. People have commented on the video. Twitter Sports, which is officially the Twitter, the sports portion of Twitter, actually said, welcome to Twitter, Mox. Uh, you can hear it now. And showed that gif of Cody Rhodes with a zero where everybody zooms right in. I mean, everybody, of course, took that and ran with it, right? Right. Here's what I'm thinking. It can't be AEW. It just can't. Because as much of the symbolism is there, the dice on the wall for the Viper Room reading 2-5 and this, the hash marks on the wall, the prison cell 2-5 and May 25th is when Double or Nothing is. How did he make this video with AEW while under contract with WWE? Because he yeah, literally put this video out. That's a way to happen. Exactly. It's two minutes. Like two minutes after his contract technically expired, this video showed up. And this is not the quality of a video that you make on your camera phone you know, 30 seconds before you air it. Like he took a lot of time and spent a lot of money. Whoever made this with him, that's, this is not an AEW thing because there's no way he could have made this video with AEW while under contract with WWE and this not get ugly. Right. You know what I mean? So what's left by me is either he did this and he has some people that he's working with to do this. And it's his high quality production that he's done on his own, or this is a WWE thing and they're rebranding him. And it would technically be true Dean Ambrose is not Dean Ambrose is gone. gone. <laughs> he is, he's gone. He's gone from WWE. Uh, WWE has said goodbye. There's no more Dean Ambrose, but John Moxley shows up. 
I don't know that that's what's going to happen, but those are that's more realistic to me than this being an AEW video. Right. Um, I mean, I'm trying to remember. Can you see this being any way related to AEW? Yeah, I mean, I can see it, but I don't know. I think it might be just a him thing more than anything. Yeah, I mean, it. it's got to be something that he's either done or he's got the backing of WWE, or he made this on his own with the understanding that at some point the dots would be connected to AEW, but there's no way AEW worked on this with him. Like, I just can't see that being the case while he's under contract with WWE. And like you said, he showed up in all these cities after the matches were over and the camera stopped rolling to say goodbye. He's still on tour with them the yeah. whole time, right? So it's not like he was going home and had weeks to sit there and do nothing. He's been on the road. So when did he do this, right? Like, that's, that's the question. This is such a high-quality video that this isn't something that he just swung together last second. So I don't know, man. People are going to just talk and talk and talk about this video. What's going to happen? When's he going to show up? Is he just doing this for fun because he likes making videos? I mean, back before he was WWE, this is what he did. You know, they just weren't as good quality, right? Now he's got some money. Now he's probably got a team of people. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. If you had to guess, where do you think he winds up? Oof, I don't think he ends up anywhere right now. I think it takes a bit of time. And then, based off what you're saying, it sounds like it has to be WWE, right? Well, like, I don't know that... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it to me, it's more realistic than it being AEW, only because of the optics of what the contracts would have looked like and legally what kind of problem that could be. But I don't know that it's this WWE. If it is, I'll tell you one thing. Between the Bray Wyatt videos, which is where we're going to go next, and this, if this is WWE, I've been giving WWE a lot of crap lately because they have not put out very good shows but these two things the Bray Wyatt thing and this John Moxley thing if this is WWE will change my view of what they're doing right because this would be unreal this would be such a good idea by them if they thought of it to rebrand him and bring him back and completely change his look and feature and all that other I mean I don't even know if I can give him enough credit to do that but I think it's more realistic this is WWE than AEW whether I he just, winds up uh, in AEW or not maybe I don't know but I just looked up the press release that they made uh, so it says Dean Ambrose not renewing WWE contract when it expires in April. It says Dean Ambrose, in the parentheses, Jonathan Good, will not be renewing, blah, blah, blah. But it says Dean every time. And it never once mentioned John Moxley. Right. So maybe he just comes back as Mox, right? Well, that yeah, I mean, that's what I'm wondering, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Dean like, Ambrose's farewell, the Shield's fi uh, farewell, like, I don't know. It seems like it would be too soon to do it right away. Uh, I think leaving him gone for a bit and then having like music hit and not knowing who it was would be good. But I don't know. It, it also, I don't know that he's going to actually go back to WWE. I really well, want to just feel, see how this all unfolds. I feel kind of stupid for even thinking that he might, but at the same time, they've never done anything like this with anyone that's ever left before. Like yeah. we all said that from the second that they announced his not renewing, that was strange. Like, yes, they've never done that. That's not been a thing they do. They just say, good luck in your future endeavors. Then not only did they do that, but they they teased this whole farewell thing. They gave him more of a farewell than they gave Kurt Angle for crying out loud. That's like, true. They it gave is. him finishes. Then they gave him a pay-per-view on the WWE Network. They brought him out time and time out, like after the shows were over to say goodbye. Like they put a lot of time and effort into the idea that Dean Ambrose was leaving. Right. Like that just seemed very strange to me. Now, I'm not suggesting that this equals John Moxley coming back to WWE, but I don't know. I feel dumb for even thinking that Moxley might show up in WWE because he probably won't. But at the same time, like I can't rule it out. And that's all I'm saying by watching this. It's just like everybody wants to assume this is AEW and everybody thinks that maybe just him. But I mean, who who knows, right? 
Like yeah. they hired this Hollywood guy to work with Bray Wyatt. What's to say they didn't hire a Hollywood guy to help him out with this? And that they made this while he was doing his thing. Like I have no idea. I really yeah. don't. And that's what makes it so cool is that you see this video and you really don't know where it's going to go. And if Dean Ambrose is doing this or John Moxley doing this on his own, he's probably just going to sit on this for a while. Right? Yeah, Let the buzz, I was. buzz stir up and the millions of views go up and you know, build. This is bigger than he's probably ever been before. And you know, if it continues, he will have a lot of cachet with whoever it is that's calling him next. I agree with that, yeah, for sure. All right, well, I mean, I don't know what else to talk about until we see more from him or hear other things or some kind of you know valid report that he's going somewhere. But let's move on to what I thought we were going to be talking a lot more about, which was Bray Wyatt, um, the second video of his Firefly Funhouse segment. Did you like the second one as, like, as much as you liked the first one? Yeah, I was I specifically like was seeking it out because it's just it's so good, and I love that they're showing out of both Raw and SmackDown just to give everyone an idea. Like, if you don't watch one of the shows, well, you should probably at least check out these segments because they're really good. I will say this: Did you notice that he called the witch a different name? So, is it two different witches? Did they change the name of the witch? Is he kind of crazy? Is she crazy? What's happening there? It was Penny the first week, well, and it was I, Abby this week. Yeah. I don't know that it ever was Penny, to be honest with you. When I first listened to the the video, I thought it was Penny. And I watched a bunch of people try to figure out what he was calling her. And WWE never actually said anything until about two days later. And then they wrote an article about what people's reaction to the video was. And they called her Abby the Witch, which oh, I think they were referencing to Sister Abigail, right? Yeah. Like Mercy the Buzzard is a reference to Waylon Mercy. Yes. Abby the Witch is to Sister Abigail. Which then, when I read that, made total sense. And so he called her Abby this week. So they hadn't used her name, but she said her own name in the first one, and I could not make it out for the life of me. I listened to it over and over again, and I couldn't figure out what she was saying. And so I don't know if they called her Abby or something else and then changed her mind, but I get the sense it was Abby the Witch. But, yeah, we got introduced to the bunny. Uh, what was the bunny's name? Uh, something Rabbit? Uh, yeah. Um, it was Rambling R. Rabbit or something? Rambling Rabbit or something, right? Just Rocking because, yeah. yeah, because he's so he has a reputation for just going on and on and on with his promos. It's probably where they came up with that name, right? I I got the sense maybe that this one was going on just a tiny little bit too long, but then I watched it a second and a third time, and then I liked it more the second time and even more the third time. Like there was just so much stuff in there that I thought the first time when I watched it, I must not have been paying as close attention the first time I watched it, but I was like, it's a little longer this week. And he's yeah. doing a lot more stuff, but uh, maybe because there's no chainsaw, it felt a little longer. But uh, yeah, I, I thought it was good. What do you make of the painting, the burning down of the the compound and the face? There's a lot of people talking about that. Who knows who the face is inside that? Is it Sister Abigail? Is it someone like Nikki Cross? Like, there's been a lot of talk about that. Did you get any uh, first impressions from seeing the painting? I just think the whole thing's great. Like they're showing that he's this great guy who's like atoning for his sins but then he also said like painting makes it so that you don't have any whatever he said like basically like it, it helps you get your feelings out pretty much and then it's just like a burning down building and then like there's like the, the kids and everyone's screaming because of how like terrible and horrifying the picture is so i don't really know what it's a like if there's any actual symbolism behind it or if they're just kind of building him up as a crazy guy who may not actually be a good guy like we don't know if he's a face or a heel right i would assume he's still a heel with, with yeah. this gimmick well, they, it'll be interesting to see where this goes because they may not have a choice. Like, they may be planning this, that he's going to be a heel, but he might get so popular from these videos and people see him for the first time and they cheer so loudly for him because they love this stuff that there may not be an option but to make him a heel character who is a face. 
you know, like right. people just love, right? Like, because people are eating this thing up. I mean, and one of the things that I, I noticed and I loved about the second video, which I thought was going to happen maybe in the first, or at least I knew would come at some point, was a word of the day. You know, like when you see the people yeah. play else, or you see the Blues Clues, so and good. there's always a word of the day. I loved it. And the fact that it was sociopath or a word like that, which you knew it was going to be you know, just a wacky kind of crazy word, that was awesome. That was the win of the video for me. Did when you he's like, see, um, I think it was Rebby, uh, Matt Hardy's wife, put a picture of uh, King Maxwell, and she's like, what's the word of the day? And he says sociopath, and the tweet's like, thanks, Bray. <laughs> yeah so yeah good. no it's good and i'll be interested to see what uh, happens with i don't think they're going to connect bray wyatt to anybody right away but this matt hardy stuff is now wide open right yeah. like because he and jeff had to relinquish the titles because of jeff's injury matt has already tweeted that he's going to have to make this walk alone so he's he's going to do something right whether it's you know change his character again or just be matt hardy on his own which i can't imagine they're going to do because that won't go anywhere but mm-hmm. he's been teasing this big money Matt character. Maybe they'll go back to the deleted or broken or whatever kind of gimmick that they did with him. Whether these two cross paths again at some point, I don't know. Because it sounds like Hardy's going to be out for a while. Um, that'll be interesting to see. But if, I, if it were me and Bray Wyatt, I would keep him as far away from people that he's had past relationships with for as long as I can. I would keep him everybody for as long as he can. Yeah. Until he has to make a debut of some kind, right? And then he has to wrestle somebody. But... Um, that will come with time. Um, do you think that they, you know, that there can be too much of Bray Wyatt at this point? Like they're showing two videos on each raw and each SmackDown. And we have talked in the past about people being on both shows and a little bit of overexposure. Are we running the risk of that with this guy yet? Or are these videos just too hot to worry about it? I don't think that's an issue with this because both videos are so unique and creative. I don't think they were like each other at all in terms of the actual content. So you can show someone every single week. Like if Stone Cold came out every week or The Rock came out every week, you would still think, wow, this is great because they have great segments. Chris Jericho even, like when he had the list thing, it was the same thing over and over again, but I never got bored of it, if that makes sense. When Paul Heyman comes out, it's kind of the same thing every time, but it's always a little different, right? The people yeah. that are good on the mic are good on the mic. The people that have good promo skills, are good at promo, they have good promo skills. So when it comes down to Bray Wyatt, we know that he's great and he can do any character he wants to do. This is just what it's like a two and a half minute segment twice. You know, I think he can do it every week and it'll still be good. I'd yeah. rather this than seeing him in the ring at this point. Let him just do this until we get an actual angle. Sure. And I, I guess what I'm asking is how many of these videos can we watch before people are going to go, well, we need something else. Like they're super entertaining. Do you run four or five of these and then you go, okay, well, we need to do something different. Or do you just keep running them until people go, okay, how many times are we going to watch this guy talk to us inside the house? Right. right. Like, I don't know. I mean, right now I'm not worried about it, but at some point WWE has proven they have proven that they know how to just cram something down your throat in a negative way. And, you know, one of the prime examples to me, and I'm, I'm starting to see the buzz on the internet and social media is the Becky Lynch stuff. Um, we talked about it last week. Are we running the risk of overexposing Becky Lynch when you put her on TV Monday and Tuesday for 15 minutes at a time, she delivers the same promo. Then she has a match with somebody, um, they did that this week, and I'm I'm starting to see the kickback. Do you see it? Like, do you do you think that people are starting to you know rebel a little bit against the whole Becky Lynch? She's got two belts. She's on TV all the time. Yeah, I mean, the chase is always better than you know actually getting to where you want to be, right? So I think the fact that she is the champion now, or like both champions, people are. I, I'm surprised it happened this fast. But people are immediately souring on her. I would I'm say bo- that I'm bored. Her. Yeah, I'm, I'm bored. bored. I'm bored because <laughs> like, it is the same thing, and there is no difference than what it was. It was great at first, 
But now that it's just her talking, it's very boring, especially because it's Charlotte again. And I, I mean, Lacey Evans could be good. Right now, she doesn't do anything for me. Uh, her promo skills are okay. Her ring work needs a lot of work, I think. But I, I think that Becky Lynch is great, but we're being we're seeing her too much. Two times uh, a week, plus she has two matches on the pay-per-view coming up. It's too much. Yeah, I mean, I like Becky Lynch a lot. Don't get me wrong. I think that she is the star of the women's division in WWE, and they are focusing on the right person. What I'm finding is what they do a lot with people is that when they've decided this is the person we're spending our time and money and effort on, let's go full in on it. The only real difference between Becky Lynch and someone like Stone Cold Steve Austin or someone like Chris Jericho on his list or whomever that can come on every week and not get boring is that they have her delivering the same formatted promo every night. And she comes out and she calls somebody a weirdo and she sums about this and how she has her two belts and how she's the man. And it's boring. Like it that's is the WWE issue. Yeah. That's the problem. They've put the marketing machine behind her. That's why I said last week she's so much more popular on social media. Like her, she her, does her own thing. Yeah, her lead into fighting Bailey this week was good. Like mm-hmm. the uh, the stuff that they did on Twitter back and forth with each other, and how Alexa Bliss got involved. I don't know if you saw it all, but like Lynch made a comment to Bailey about she's like, "I love you, but I'm gonna beat the crap out of you." And then yeah. she's like, "Hope that doesn't hurt your feelings." And if you don't know that reference, that was to when she had made a call out to Ember Moon saying she was going to hit Ember Moon so hard that Alexa Bliss was going to go back on injury reserve. (laughs) And then Alexa Bliss came out and said, hey, that's not nice. Like, I'm not even involved in your battle. That's a pretty hurtful thing to say. And now, of course, that opened up the whole, oh, you hurt my feelings thing. And then Bailey got right involved with it and was like, well, don't worry about hurting my feelings, at least on Twitter, blah, 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 blah. She's like, hopefully I don't hurt your chances of going to Money in the Bank. Like, the buildup for their match against each other was awesome. And if you watch the stuff on the feeds on social media, I thought, this is fantastic. And then they just, they do what they do always on television, and they bore the snot right out of you, yeah. right? Like, I thought the match was okay, and, and whatever, but, like, to have Lynch come out and do her little promo again, and, I mean, it's getting old fast, and people are gonna start to fight back, and that whole organic, we love Becky Lynch as the man, that, that stuff that just naturally happened is going away quickly, right? Like, will she, how fast before she's the Roman Reigns? Like, that would be sad if that happened, and WWE doesn't see it coming and doesn't make a fix. So here's what I want to know, knowing that they're maybe losing some of their audience already, do you think they'll change their mind last minute, which they've been doing on everything, and have her lose one of the belts at Money in the Bank? I don't know. Because we thought she was going to keep them both. But now, do you wonder? Like, they can't be liking this response, right? Yeah, I don't know if they even notice it. Like, they're very naive to a lot of the things and the reactions as they're happening, I think. Or at least they appear to be. I don't think they are naive to it, but they don't seem to pick up on it the same way, or they don't seem to react to it the way fans want them to. So I, I don't know if this is going to affect anything. And even if she does lose one of them, who's to say that wasn't one of their plans immediately, right? I give her that big WrestleMania moment and then quickly just move on. Yeah, I don't know, but I would be, I mean, yeah, they probably don't notice. I sound like the Tasmanian devil right there for a second. Um, they, pro- they probably <laughs> notice the crowd reaction, though. Like, week after week, she comes out with less and less of a pop. Like, yeah. they got to be there. Maybe they don't notice the social media stuff on the internet, you know, chatter, and we're a small portion of the WWE audience. I get that. But when the crowd is not nearly as nutty for you as they were two weeks ago, it has to say something. Like that, yeah. to me, that just seems a little crazy. We have in the past done these, um, you know, 
marked out moments or uh, really moments or whatever. And while we don't officially need to do that, I don't know if you plan for that at all this week, but I did have a moment that would have classified as one of the really moments. Did you notice the Mar- when the Hardys came out and gave away their titles and they said, well, and she asked, what's your issue, Jeff Hardy? Like, what's wrong with you? He's like, well, maybe I should show you. And then the video came up and it was a promo for Lars Sullivan. Like, yeah. What the hell? Why are you <laughs> ruining are- What are they doing? Like, are we supposed to, are we that naive that we're supposed to believe that when Jeff Hardy wants to explain what his injury is, oh, here, let me show you with this promo for Lars Sullivan. Hmm. Like, I've got a a really from the same segment, actually. So once you're done, I'll continue later. I mean, I just, I watched that and I wonder why WWE doesn't realize they have an issue. You know, like, how can you think, okay, we're going to talk about Hardy's, his injury, why he's going away. You know, why they have to give up the titles. And in describing how you got hurt, you're putting over Lars Sullivan with a pre-made promo video to talk about your injury for Lars Sullivan, the guy who injured you. It's like, what? Like, there's just no logic to that. None. And I I watch that stuff and I think, what are they doing? Like, I get that they want to push Lars Sullivan, but there's got to be a point where they they see that line and go, what the hell? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would we do this? Yet they don't. Every week they keep putting stuff like this together and we keep For watching. Years. Oh, thinking that we're too stupid to realize that that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's when like, someone beats you up, do you go to the production team and say, hey, get, can you make me a video real quick? Well, it's, it's fine to do the video. Like, if you want to show the video and say, hey, this is where Law Sullivan slammed me and this is where I bent my leg and this is how I hurt myself and this is blah, 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 blah. And you want to walk people through when that actual injury happened? Great. But instead, what they did was they put like a frickin' promo video with music and slow-mo and Lars Sullivan coming down the ramp to the ring and all that. It was all about Lars Sullivan and how big of a monster he is. And it wasn't anything about his injury. And yeah. I'm like, what, why would Hardy do that? Like, It's one thing if WWE initiates that video, but Jeff Hardy's the guy who's introducing and initiating the video. Yeah, if like, like Tom Phillips is like, so we're going to take you back and show you what happened, blah, blah, blah. Right, that would yeah. be a whole different story. Later just, on in the segment, there was uh, so Matt Hardy's like fending off of uh, Lars Sullivan, right? Jeff yeah. Hardy first of all walks to the ring. He has a crutch, but he's standing, no problem. Walking, he's standing, blah blah blah. Soon as Lars Sullivan's there, Jeff Hardy like, oh my god, Jeff Hardy can't even get out of the ring, and he looked like he like um, he just got like thrown around and he was like completely hobbled, and he just can't even stand. And then all of a sudden, he's walking and he's standing on both his legs, and he has the crutch in the other because he's gonna swing at Lars Sullivan. So how are we supposed to believe that? Like you take away the the, uh, the whole you know reality segment of it immediately, and the aspect of reality when you say, "Hey, this guy is fine." Oh wait, no, this guy can barely stand. Oh wait, never mind. This guy just ran across the ring and is standing again, but he couldn't exit the ring by himself five seconds earlier. Literally yeah. five seconds. I don't know what you're expecting to happen there. I thought that this segment in general was good with getting Lars Sullivan heat because obviously Jeff Hardy like he's legitimately injured. So how are you going to hurt him? And then our truth from last week, I don't really know what his whole thing was last week in the first place, but then this week following up with that, good for them for at least being, you know, continuous with the storyline. But yeah, you're right. The lead up to it was kind of weird. And I thought that one thing where he was just like cowering and like hobbled and then all of a sudden he was standing again and I was like, well, I don't know what you wanted to believe here. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be too critical of the idea that Lars Sullivan is being put over by the Hardys. I mean, I'm not loving the fact that the tag team champions are putting over one guy. 
No, but, I mean, not, that's, at that point. yeah, that's just picking <laughs> and choosing. I mean, that's just being picky. You're like, that is what it is. But it's the it's the implementation of the idea or the storyline or the, you know, like it's unfortunate that Hardy got hurt because yes. the Hardy should have gone on a run as tag team champions and then eventually had a feud with somebody and lost the titles or whatever they were going to do with them. That should have happened. And it's unfortunate that it's not. So fine. Use Lars Sullivan to be the reason Hardy's out and you have to do this stuff. But the whole, okay, here's how we'll do this. It's just dumb. Like it just, it's amazingly not thought out. And you're just like, man, this is what they're doing. And if they don't get their whatever together and figure out how to better, you know, plan these ideas out or write these scripts for this stuff, it won't be much for people to be like, okay, there's another alternative that's way more entertaining than this, right? Like they're just yeah. doing this to themselves. Um, speaking of stuff that they're doing to themselves, they did that announcement today for the Saudi Arabia show in Jeddah um, and Goldberg is on it. Undertaker's on it. Brock Lesnar is on it. Uh, what did you think about the news that Goldberg is coming back and he's going to be in Saudi Arabia? I mean, obviously huge news, right? Especially considering uh, the history between those three alone. You have Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. You have Brock Lesnar and Undertaker. So you, you have history there, just those three names. Obviously three huge draws, which they do every time they go to uh, Saudi Arabia, whether it's the prince that's you know requesting it or just the fact that they want to make sure they get people into the stands because they, they make it like 60, 70,000 people on those shows, right? Like they're huge. Yep. So you've got to make sure you have like name power. It's basically another WrestleMania. Uh, I mean, Goldberg is huge. He, he's someone we've seen once. I mean, one like obviously whole storyline, but like whatever, one month or whatever it was over the last, what, 15 years? So uh, more than that, I'd say even. So obviously I'm excited to see him. Uh, he was in great shape. I think they used him perfectly last time around. They didn't let him go too long in matches. They let him, you know, look dominant. He went out after having a WrestleMania moment. It was a, it was a loss, obviously, but it was still uh, it was a good way to do it. I don't really know what they're going to do with him this time around. Like, who are you going to make him crush? And it's not going to feel as big as it was when it was Brock Lesnar. And Brock Lesnar just made sense because people didn't hate Lesnar the way they did or they do now, but he was still, you know, a heel. So he was a larger-than-life heel. Having him lose to Goldberg felt good. If Goldberg comes in and beats, I don't know, Braun Strowman, what does that do for Braun Strowman? Yeah. Or un- unless you're making Braun Strowman be the guy that Goldberg. And in which yeah, case, I, I still I don't know that can't that even, I can't even imagine Goldberg being tied up with anybody major. I think it'll be like Elias. You know, Elias will do... Nah, I don't know about that. Right, because there's no way Goldberg has a match. Like, not a full one. Right, like That's he fair. never had one in a single time. The longest one he went with was his loss at WrestleMania to, to Lesnar where he just took a million suplexes and that was the first time he took any real bumps. Like he's, if he has uh, some sort of showing at this thing, it'll be, he'll come in, he'll spear somebody. It'll be 30 seconds. It'll be over. Right. Yeah. And who, who else do you do that to? Right. Somebody like Elias makes perfect sense. Or you pick another guy like him that could like a Rusev or something, right. That a heel that can take the, the beating in a few seconds and everybody in Saudi Arabia is all happy. They got to see him and whatever. My question is, do you think this is being initiated by the Saudi guys or by WWE as a solution to, well, we need big names on this show. Cause if it's the second thing, if it's WWE, that's one of my problems with WWE right now is that they creatively aren't doing anything. You know, Bray Wyatt. Yes. If this Dean Ambrose thing works out to be WWE, then great. But everything else is like, it's just like a lack of effort, right? It's like the kid and it means that they know that they they probably think, hey, we don't have any star power. Well, that's not a good thing when you have 150 wrestlers on your roster and you don't think you have a big enough star power to carry a three hour show. 
Well, yeah, if that's if that's your solution to me, make up for creativity is to bring Goldberg back, you're screwed. You're like, I like Goldberg, and I like to see him every once in a while. And the stuff they did with him last time I thought was entertaining. But he's not your solution. He's not your long-term answer to anything. So if that's your answer to go, well, hey, we don't really have any good ideas. Let's just bring Goldberg back. He can beat the crap out of somebody. Th- then you're in real trouble, right? Like, that's that's the thing. But I, I before I jump all over WWE for that, it might not be them. It might be the Saudi guys going, well, here's who we want. I mean, they, for crying out loud, at one point they asked for the Ultimate Warrior after he had passed away. Like that, that, yeah. Right. That's how little they know about the current product, but they do recognize some names, and Goldberg is a recognizable name. So this could be them just asking for him and them going, okay, well, you're giving us all this money. I'm sure Goldberg will do it if we give him a couple million bucks, right? Like, And that's probably all this is, but I hope it's not the first thing where they're just going, well, we don't have any real good ideas, so let's just bring Goldberg back to squash somebody because that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, I don't know where we should move to next. What about the Money in the Bank stuff? We're talking about that. This next pay-per-view coming up. We mentioned last week that we were a little bit hyped for the pay-per-view because there were some good matches on it, but there was no participants for the Money in the Bank ladder matches announced. That was solved this week um, on Raw and SmackDown. Did you like the names that were announced? Was there anything about the people that are in it that stood out for you? I like some of the names. I don't understand others, but I guess you have to just have people in to have them in it. So we can start with the, the men's, I guess. Sure. Uh, Ricochet, awesome. Going to be a yeah. high-flying spot. Awesome. Uh, he'll make that match watchable for sure. I mean, it's yeah. not like the other guys are bad, but he'll, he'll make that whole thing unbelievably entertaining. So I'll leave. Same thing, kind of like uh, all over the place. Finn Balor, uh, Andrade. You, you have some people that can do you know a lot of high spots. Then you've got Orton, McIntyre, Baron Corbin, and, and Braun Strowman, who obviously are your bigger guys. If I'm WWE, I give this to Drew McIntyre. I don't know about you, but I think this is the perfect opportunity for him to get that huge push that I've been talking about him getting for, I mean, since the start of this podcast. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that choice. I don't know that that's how I would do it, only because of the fact that I think McIntyre on his own, although the way he's been booked lately has not been indicative of this, but he's a big enough guy with enough power to take the title on his own. He might not need the briefcase to do it, um, so maybe you wouldn't, but I think that the briefcase should always be given to somebody who within that next six months to eight months, you want to have the title around their waist. So who in the match is that guy, right? That's the question. McIntyre should be on that list. Cause he, he is championship material at some point. If it's not in the near future, it should be right down the road. Um, but I did because of that. That's my theory. Whenever these matches go on, some of the things I questioned heavily, like why the heck is Finn Balor in this thing? Like, I like Finn Balor. He'll make the match entertaining, but he's the Intercontinental Champion. Like, should he not have his own match? Why is he competing for a Money in the Bank briefcase and he already holds a title? Yeah. Right? Why? I mean, I, I would love for him to win it. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, the IC title isn't just some small little thing. Like, that's your next biggest title outside of your main roster. Well, it is like when you do this sort of thing. When you yeah. put him in a match that he doesn't need to be in and you forget about the IC title because it's all about the briefcase, you, you're you're delegitimizing the title, right? Like it's not as important as it was if he were to have his own match and that belt means something, but now the belt's not even up for grabs and nobody cares. He's just an intercontinental title holder in the money in the bank match. Like I just don't, and there's lots of other guys you could have put in there, right? Like those leaked, leaked images that showed Ray Mysterio, that showed Lars Sullivan, that showed, you know, other guys, none of those guys are in it. So yeah, and like Bobby Robert Roode, Bobby Robert Roode, <laughs> he could have been in it. He's not in it, right? Like, 
So there's a lot of guys you could have picked. I mean, everybody's going to make that argument, but when you've got Finn Balor and he holds a title and he could have had his own championship match, why would you do that? I wasn't a fan. McIntyre, I think, is probably a good pick to win it. I don't see Strowman winning uh, only because he's already won, and I don't know why you would necessarily need to do that, and I don't know for whatever reason why WWE doesn't seem to want to, but they're not giving him many opportunities anymore, so I don't see that happening. I'd like to say Andrade's going to win it, but something tells me that the way they book him to lose a lot, they just don't see him there yet, but that would be it. What about the women? So I don't really care about most of the competitors in that match. I think that if you're going to look at uh, anyone who's going to win it, so you have Natalia, Dana Brooke, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Bailey, Mandy Rose, uh, Ember Moon, and Carmella. Out of those names, I would say that Alexa Bliss, Bailey, Mandy Rose, and Ember Moon are the only four legitimate contenders to actually win it. Yeah, I'm with you on the Bailey thing. I don't know that I think Alexa Bliss will be a favorite because she is popular and because she has won it before. Uh, that's why I wouldn't give it to her. Um, my underdog pick is Dana Brooke. I don't interesting. Yeah, just because of the stuff that they've been doing with it recently. Like they've got her feuding with Sam Roberts on Superstars or Main Event or whatever show that these two have this beef going on. And I think that's intentional. I don't think that's Sam Roberts just being Sam Roberts. I think they're directing him to do this stuff. And I think they've chosen Dana Brooke to be his, you know, whipping post or whatever. And there's something to this. I don't know what it is exactly, but they're trying to build her in a different way. They've given her some opportunities lately on the show, even though they haven't always added up to wins, but she did get a couple wins over people like Ruby Riot and stuff. And if you're going to pick somebody like a Zack Ryder who's won it before or an Intercontinental title in a ladder match when you just don't expect it, if you want to do something unexpected, you're going to have Dana Brooke win this thing, right? So that might not be the popular choice and it might not be the way that it goes, but that's my underdog pick. I could see that. That's um, fair. Ba- Bailey is my other choice. I okay. think maybe that they will reward her at some point. Like they've given her a push against Charlotte. And if they were unhappy about this whole tag thing and she is doing the exact opposite of what Sasha Banks is doing, which is not whining about it, which is taking her lumps and moving on doing the best to be a professional. She will get rewarded for that. And I can see them giving her the title for it. So, or the, the briefcase anyway. Right. And we all want to see, we all want to see Bailey win it at some point. Like everybody still likes her. She's, She's popular. It'd be nice to have her in that, you know, inner circle of people who are talked about with the title, right? She deserves to be there. She was one of the original people that got this whole division thing going. Yeah. I would say that, I mean, I want to say Mandy Rose is my pick. My only issue with that, like Mandy Rose then ever moved my second pick. My issue with that is the fact that uh, Sonya Deville just gave Mandy Rose her spot, right? So I can't yeah. see that being a cut and dry. That's over. Like, okay, yeah, yeah they're setting spot. something up. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're definitely working at an angle there with the whole between Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose. So, and that'll be fun to watch. And I like those little side angles where there's actually things going on with other people so that are things. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lesnar retires from the UFC, or at least Dana White has said that he's officially retired from the UFC. I don't think that Lesnar's made the announcement, has he? Just Dana White, right? Yeah, well, he's, uh, I mean, Dana White's usually really, like, cut and dry about that kind of stuff. So, apparently, Lesnar has officially retired from Mixed Martial Arts. This also comes after Lesnar tested for the, uh, he did a, he had a drug test with the official drug testing. Uh, I think it was between April 21st and April 28th. So, uh, that's, the, the results weren't posted. But, we, I mean, at least we know that the USADA, whatever, uh, they tested him. And maybe he wasn't a fan of the results. Maybe he failed it, right? So yeah. maybe he said, you know what? I'm done. 
maybe he didn't fail it, but he was just deciding, hey, this isn't for me. That seems a lot less likely. This also comes right after he had like that whole interview like on the uh, the panel, right, where he was just talking candidly about his whole situation, which he, I don't think he's ever really done before, where he's just been on a podcast and talking. Or not a podcast, but you know what I mean, where you're just like openly talking about a bunch of details like that. Well, the, so, the closest I ever saw to it was when he was on that Stone Cold thing. What was his yeah. bro- the skull, or what would they used to call it when he's on WWE Network and he had his own show? Um, Lesnar was on that, and I thought Lesnar was pretty candid there, even though you could tell there were some things he wasn't talking about. But yeah, you're right. This last interview he did was the most revealing he's ever been. You know, talking about why he keeps his contract short and that he wants to be able to jump back and forth. So yeah, I, I can I can see why the assumptions are he failed that test because. If what he says is true, he's all about the money. He's all about yes. where's my next opportunity going to come from? What's the best bang for my buck? Let's go do that. Well, clearly that's Daniel Cormier in the summer at a UFC fight, right? Yep. Like that's that where that's where the money's going to be. So that's do just that. About one of the biggest fights in the history of the company, level fight, right? Right. Do that fight, win or lose, and come back to WWE if that's what you want to do, right? Because you know, for whatever stupid reason, they keep bringing him back. So he's got almost a guarantee that he's going to have an opportunity to do that. So, yeah, I can see why people would think he failed that test because if he's not going to UFC and it's pretty definitive that it's not, there's got to be a good reason, right? Unless they're just saying, well, we don't care enough about you to give you the money, but that doesn't make sense to me either. So, Yeah. The other rumor that I thought we should probably talk about was the CM Punk stuff. Um, I think you wrote a story. Was it you that wrote a story about him showing up in the mask at that indie show and and doing the uh, what was his finisher called the uh, GTS C- the guy yeah GTS the thing did you think that was first I guess I should ask you did you even think that was him people yes, seem 100% to con- it's him. confirm that they're saying it is him um, so the promoter uh, we obviously can test it with a grain of salt the promoter confirmed that it was him but also if you look at CM Punk he was in the exact same location as the match happened wearing the exact same outfit yeah. So I don't. I'm not going to believe it. I I can't believe in good conscience and say that wasn't actually him. It had to have been him. I don't know that it was anything legitimately serious or if it's just a one-off thing. Uh, I will say this: he's not going to double or nothing because he's going to be about 300 miles away for uh, an MMA event. Yeah, I saw uh, that today. The same day. So we know that he's not going to AEW for that. Or sorry, we know a lot of things in wrestling. There's he shouldn't at least be there, right? So we'll, uh, I guess we're going to see what happens. And, and if he actually ends up at Double or Nothing, if he ends up back in WWE, which we've been talking about that for six years now since he left, I think that because this whole match thing happened, you mentioned it as well, everything's really fresh with CM Punk. Everyone wants to believe what they want to believe, uh, believe with him. He's kind of the, the Loch Ness Monster, if you will. So, Yeah. I mean, there's I, I read some stuff today that WWE has said, well, sure, we'll take him back. Like... If he has any interest in coming back, we'd love to have him type of th- type of thing. I don't know if that means there's any conversation going on. I can't even imagine that. The way that he talks about WWE and still bashes them openly, um, I just I don't see it, right? I just can't even imagine that he would return to WWE. I could see why they would like him back. You know, just they seem to forgive everybody, and he's a draw. I mean, he would be a huge deal for them if they were able to get him somehow, but... Yeah, I don't know, man. I just wonder if... I mean, it's pretty... I agree with you. It probably was him. Pretty easy to set it up to make it look like it was him. Just put a hoodie on some guy. He's in the same place. You know, give him his finisher and away you go. But you're probably right. It probably was him. He's probably going to do more of this type of stuff where he just sort of shows up, you know, has a little fun because he maybe misses it and doesn't really 
whatever. I think when he runs out of money, if he runs out of money, will be the sign of, well, what's he going to do next, right? Mm-hmm. And if he's got these MMA appearances constantly popping up, he's got to be getting paid something for those. So uh, he's probably not out of money yet, um, and he's probably not in any real rush to come back. It's just a matter of whether or not he runs out of time and he stops being as popular, right? He just needs yeah. to put out a John Moxley video. <laughs> she puts out a Phil Brooks video. Like... <laughs> That's right. Phil Brooks breaking out of something. Well, what are we missing, man? Is there anything else that we should cover? I mean, Raw and SmackDown, my take on those two shows was they were awful. Awful, uh, awful, awful. Raw alone, the matches were all like eight seconds long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I read people all the time be like, oh, you bunch of hypocrites. That's two weeks you, in a row, I should say, too. You, right? you say you hate everything about these shows, but you watch them anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, like, I'm an Edmonton Oilers hockey fan, and they suck. Huh. But you I still watch them. You know why we them. hate it? We hate it because we have a higher standard because we love it. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna give them time to turn it around. Like I don't I don't say hey this show sucks only because I'm never gonna watch it again and go well I give up on you guys. Like yeah. you don't give up on somebody that you think sucks because you you want to quit. You you know that they can and have the ability to get better. Um, but these just these shows have been awful. Like they've just been really bad. And I don't know if it's just poor writing, if it's the changeover and all these producers and backstage writing agents that are all leaving and new guys are coming in or what the heck is going on, but the stuff just looks like it's so thrown together last minute. Um, and I get it. Like, I'm the first person to be like, these guys don't have to be on every show every week. But, like, you had buzz with Robert Roode and his mustache. Where was Robert Roode this week? Yeah, why Why would you do that so fast? Yeah, like, it's almost like, we oh, shoot, we ran out of time. Okay, no, sit down, Bobby. We'll get you on next week. Well, uh-huh. that was not the thing you should have done, right? Like, yeah. there's really no reason to have some of the segments that they did and then leave some of the people off that they did. Right. Like I just, it's just really not been entertaining. And I just saw people over social media be like, is anybody else thinking this is terrible? Like, and it was just unanimous. Yeses, yes, yes, yes. Like it's really bad. Right. What was the point of bringing the Miz over to raw? If he's just going to keep feuding with Shane McMahon. (laughs) Well, why is Shane on both shows? Like why I've never, I mean, I've been harping on this since we started that the whole idea of the McMahon's being a character now they're, they came on and said, what was it, like three or four months ago? that They came on, did those interviews and said, we are listening to you, the fans. We are going to give you what you want. We're going to give you change, an opportunity. Give me what I want. Right? And, and so people, we're going to give these guys that you love a chance to do their thing. And we are now taking over. We've, we've not fired, but we've let both of our GMs go. Angle's gone. Page is gone. We're running both shows. Okay, fine. Do that. But you can no longer be a character. Like, if you're going to do that, Shane... Stephanie, Vince, Triple H, you can't be a heel. You can't be a babyface. You are now the person giving the fans what they want. That's your only job, right? So if if you're going to do that, don't be a character. Well, within weeks, they're heels and babyfaces, and none of it makes sense. You know, one week, McMahon is, Vince is a huge heel. The next week, he's a big babyface. Shane is like the master heel now on both shows, feuding with both The Miz and Roman Reigns. Like, what? Like, I just don't understand that. Why is Shane even a character, one? Two, why has he got two major feuds on each show Yeah, when there are so many guys that should have the opportunity over him? Shane isn't really needed in the live feud. I guess you could say, well, yeah, well, I mean, it's his dad, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't. he's not necessary there. Uh, like you said, there are segments that could have been done better. There are segments that were left off because of segments like this that were just poorly done. One segment that I really did like, though, was Kevin Owens when he took out like the two action figures 
Yeah. And specifically, the big E one had his leg heavily bandaged, and I was like, "That's yeah. Kevin Owens is so good. Give this guy all the titles." Like, <laughs> yeah, no, so I mean there are there are guys in the company who have the ability to get through this crap, even when delivered crap to to spew out, right? Like Kevin Owens is probably reading some of this stuff and going, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> okay, well let me do what I can do with it," right? And yeah. then he's so good that he's able to take it and spin it and make it entertaining. Whereas you give the same stuff to a person like Roman Reigns, or you give the same stuff to a person like Becky Lynch. And I love Becky Lynch. And we I continue to say this, but when you give her crap, she will deliver, you know, just a little bit better than the crap you gave her. Whereas yes. Kevin Owens will give you the best of the best possible result of the crap you just gave him. Right. So it's like, okay, here's your stuff. Go do what you got to do with it. Here's the talking points. Go. Kevin Owens will give you gold. Becky Owens will give you a little bit better than what you were delivered, but it's not wonderful. She's not that good, right? So she's great on social media, and she's great in other ways, but she's just not that good on the mic when it comes to that stuff. So it, when there's more people like Becky Lynch than there are like Kevin Owens, which is obviously the case because Kevin Owens is a rare breed. The Miz is good at it. Um, Chris Jericho is really good at it. Like these Pop are guys really good at it too. Right, that are really good at it, but there's not as many of those guys, and there's way more people who are not good at it and just delivering what they're told to deliver. Alexa Bliss and is it, one it, of those people as well. Yeah, she can be that way, but I mean, some of her segments, like I thought both of those Bliss moments were terrible. Yeah, like, that's fair. When <laughs> when the women came out to do their, oh my gosh, like this is dragging on and on and on, and then when she threw herself in the match, I did like the idea that her shoes were the reason she lost. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was pretty entertaining, but like, you just can't. You, you you can't make gold out of dog crap. Like it just, there's just nothing you can do with it. Right. And these guys don't have that skill yet. So it'll be interesting to see if they figure it out because this is the worst possible timing for them to be dropping the ball. Right. When yeah. you've got AEW in everybody's minds and you've got people leaving and all this, but when the backstage stuff and the drama is way more entertaining than the stuff you put on TV, that's a problem. Yeah, well, there is one, I mean, speaking of backstage, one thing we can kind of close out uh, the show on this week, Kurt Angle revealed the details of his contract. That's a five-year deal. Yeah, what what are they going to have him do? Like, did he say specifically what his job is going to be? Yeah, he said that he's primarily going to be a uh, a producer. He's going to be a producer backstage, kind of help people with their technique, like all the rest of his technique, their match structure, stuff like that. He said maybe they'll use him as things like, you know, on TV as like a manager sometimes. But primarily, he's going to be there for uh, a, a producer role. Well, that makes sense. I mean, that seems like a really good job for him, right? Like, just because physically those gifts may not be there as much as they used to be, his mind probably is still just as sharp. And his, you know, the drama in the ring and his ability to put a match together and work with people and and get them to do this, you know, the psychological stuff that they need to do. I mean, he's going to have that skill, right? And he's probably one of the best at it. So, yeah, that... That makes sense to me. I would see giving him a job. Five years is a long time, but uh, we I mean, five years. We don't know the numbers. To, what's that? It's. I mean, five years is a long time, but I don't know that anybody deserves it more than a guy who's proven that he understands the art of a wrestling match more than Kurt Angle, right? Sure, and we don't necessarily know the details numbers, do we? Like they. That was no, a, I don't think you said the actual number, which we don't really ever hear what the. Well, I mean, we'll probably see it when uh, the numbers are released, right? Because like it's a publicly traded company. So you yeah. see all the information is pretty much out there. Well, it's got to be enough that this whole StarCast thing happened. Like, you caught wind of yeah. that, right? Like, the whole both Undertaker and Kurt Angle, they both pulled out of StarCast 2 because they were got their new deals, and WWE doesn't want them anywhere near that event just yeah. because it's not a WWE event. I mean, 
I get both sides of that, right? I mean, it's so Kurt Angle's money must be enough that he was happy enough to stay there, uh, take the deal and pull out of these indie bookings. And because I know Starcast is paying pretty good money for these guys to show up, a lot of money, especially Undertaker's like twenty five thousand dollars an hour or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel for Conrad Thompson, the guy who puts these events together, but at the same Last time... Last second like that, you know, a month uh, before, not even a month, you got like three weeks before the thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's still going to have a loaded show. I'm still going to try to figure out if I can make my way down to that thing, because that's, uh, it's in Vegas, a place I love to be, and uh, it's at a time that I might be able to go, but it looks like it's a packed house with a lot of people, and maybe sold out, so I don't really know, I'll have to look into it more, but it is interesting to see that uh, Angle sticking around WWE, he has chosen, like AJ Styles... Who said, I hope AEW does really well, but he has chosen WWE over anybody else, right? So there are those guys. Everybody, for all these people who want to leave so badly, there are people like AJ Styles and Kurt Angle and stuff who are choosing WWE. Like they have all the options that they available to them, lots of money from both places, and they're staying where they are, right? So there's got to be something about that too, right? Like we can't overlook that. There's there's got to be a draw enough that these guys will stay on the road in WWE as much as they are, get the money and and continue their careers when they could go another way yeah and i mean the money would be similar especially in AEW, where you've got such a rich owner so sometimes the opportunity is great some sometimes people don't get the opportunities they want yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens uh opportunities and we can get into this whole thing but maybe we won't do it this week but like carl anderson and luke gallows moved over to raw the superstar shakeup's not even done this is a third week now right and they're still (laughs) moving people right those guys moved over and lost I do have to ask this though before we close. What did you think about this whole revival stuff? <laughs> it's funny that they have those huge contract offers, right? Which apparently is like, I mean, the the offers they got for their contracts are minuscule in comparison to the offers that uh, Gallows and Anderson got. So I don't really understand why they're offering that kind of money to Gallows and Anderson reportedly. Um, I should say. That well, what do we know? Oh, do we know that the Sorry, do we know that the Gallows and Andersons deal are multiple millions per year or just over the length of the deal? Like, because that's, that's 2.5 million per guy over five years, still multi millions over five years. That could be what Gallows and Anderson got, right? Like, we don't really know the details. They say multi millions over an extended period of time. Well, maybe that's what that is, right? I agree, though. 500,000 does not sound like a ton of money. Not you know, for the guys you, you want to book as your top tag team. Right. But I don't think that's what WWE wants to do. I think they're just trying to give them enough money not to leave. Right. And we don't know the deal. Right. Like we have no idea if AEW is offering these kinds of contracts to people like at some point, both companies have to look at these tag teams and go, what do we have here? Are the revival a big enough deal that we should be spending this kind of money to bring them in? Right. Like that argument can be made for Dean Ambrose, too. Right. For John Moxley, like he this video has proven there's some buzz around this guy. Right. And he is a bigger name. But is he big enough? And I asked this question a few weeks ago. Is he big enough that if he is going to AEW, does he put them over the hump? Like, is the buzz that he's generating right now worth giving him whatever millions of dollars WWE has already offered him and he's turned down to give that same money to him at AEW? Will he be that guy that gets you where you want to go? I don't know that that's true. And it goes further than that, too, because you can look at Becky Lynch a month ago and say, oh, my God, she's the biggest thing in wrestling. And now she's just another superstar. Yeah, I hope that's not the case. I hope she's just not another superstar yet. But I, I hope I, that she won't ever get there. I think she's too talented to get there, and this character's too good. But you know what well, I mean. Well, like, and I, I hope that she stands up and says, "Look, you guys, what are you doing here? Like, look at the buzz I'm building on my own over here, and look what you're asking me to do every week." Like, maybe she realizes it's nice to be on TV, but there is too much of it. 
right? And she says, look, you guys can't put me on TV so much, like, for crying out loud. Or she says, what are you writing for me? This is not at all, like, what got me popular. Like, we got to stop doing this, right? Or somebody yeah. looks at it and says, this isn't working. We got to switch this up a little bit, right? Yeah, I don't know, like, going back to the revival, I don't think that they're they're a big enough deal. Like, I like them a lot as an old-school tag team. I think they're really entertaining. I don't think they've gotten a fair shake in WWE. I think this back-shaving crap is a joke. Um, but at the same time... That's so weird. What are they? Right? Like, are they that good? Are they that big of a deal that they can put your own tag team division over in WWE? The answer is no. They are not at the same level as guys like the Usos or New Day, even the Bar. Like, they, they're not as good as them. Right? So, when you have five or six teams who are better you know, Hardys or whoever you want to say is better than a revival. You have to consider that when you're offering money and is AEW going to look at your revival and go, okay, well, they're not giving it to you, but we'll give you this. Cause we think that you will be our top tag team. I don't know if you look at the revival like that, right? Like I just not sure. So how much money can you give a team like that? And so maybe the offers are fair. Maybe they're turning them down because they think they'll get more. And if they are turning down money like that, I could see why WWE is going, okay, you're not going to sign. Well, here's what we'll do for you for a little bit. And maybe you'll change your mind, right? Or yeah. we'll make you leave, uh, you know, in a lovely way on your way out the door, right? But yeah, the idea that the Usos are fighting the revival and the basis of their feud is back shaving. Kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, especially with a team that we know is so good. And, and also, yeah, the revival I mean. is a team the that they should like. So good. Say that again. It's a team that you would figure they would love in the revival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that that match is could be if given the opportunity, like if you just stuck those two teams in a ring for thirty minutes, could be match of the year quality match. Yet somehow they're hiding it behind all this other goofy stuff. So like when they first got when Usos first went to Raw and they confronted the revival backstage, I thought, oh yeah, here we go, right? This is gonna be good. Like this will be two teams I want to see fight each other. This could be a really good match. You know, even a series of best three out of three matches or whatever. And then this is the first thing they do with it, and you're just like, oh, geez, that tells you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, I don't know what else we'll touch on, but I'm sure by this time next week we'll have a little bit more detail into the John Moxley stuff. We'll have seen another Bray Wyatt episode to see if the uh, the positive vibes on that continues. Um, anything I'm missing? Anything you want to close the show with? I don't think so. I think that's that pretty much covers it. Cool. Well, we hit right about on an hour, so I appreciate you uh, you stopping in again to to cover this week's stuff on Raw SmackDown, the John Moxley, the Bray Wyatt. As we head towards Money in the Bank, we got a couple weeks of shows worth before we get to that show. But uh, for Brandon and myself, this has been another edition of the Smart Marks of Wrestling podcast presented by thesportster.com. We will talk to you again next week. Uh-huh.